we're like dangerously getting into like the uh, a teacher meme game, which <laughs> yeah, probably. What do you mean getting close? We literally sent out a teacher meme. Brunch, hit it, boys. Overwhelmed. By what? By this episode. This is the first episode in a long time that we've gone into it being like, damn, we got a lot of shit to get to. Too much stuff. (laughs) We got too many dicks on the dance floor right now. We kind of did last week. Like last week, we were like edging our way towards having too much. And now we have too much. But last week, we were were also flying last week. You notice that? We were flying. We were flying uh, like... I wouldn't say, did we fly, uh, like physically speed wise, but, but no, I was flying no. mentally right. I was having a good time. Right. We were in the clouds. We were, right. we weren't flying speed wise. No. I mean, we, we spent like 61 minutes on like one episode Gambit, of the how teacher. I wasn't going to watch it. <laughs> yeah. We, we spent a lot of time on a show that you weren't watching, which by the way, everyone's like, and by everyone, every now and then someone will be like, yo, DJ, talk to your mans. We can't have someone not watching Queen's Gam- the Queen's Gambit because Queen's Gambit people have become like Breaking Bad people. Oh, yeah. They can't just Trust like me. their show. Yep. They need to push it on you and, then, and they need to find someone who isn't watching it. So suddenly the most popular show in the world can feel like like an indie band or something. <laughs> and like you feel cool for telling somebody about a show they're not watching. Everyone knows the Queen's Gambit is if they're not watching. It's by design. And it's it's sort of like it reminds me of my World Juniors bit where it's like I, I hate Canada and like the Canadian people feed into it by being angry. And they're, they're like, oh, oh, Canada's the best, best hockey nation in the world. And I'm like, you realize that that you're feeding in to, to, to my bit and right. it's only making me stronger. Right. You are and, making me stronger. Yes. And I feel that way about the Queen's Gambit, because every time somebody says, well, you're missing out your loss. It's really great. It's like, yeah, I bet it is. But guess what? I'm not going to watch it because right. of people like you. Right. That many people can. I am aware that it, it's like um, it's like not liking a food that everybody likes. Like, I know that I'm wrong about certain. <laughs> right. Like, oh, what do you think? Just everybody in the world's an idiot except for me. That seems wrong. And I'm just I, like, hey, I'm wrong about this. My taste buds are weird. Whatever. You you know, Queen's Gambit is good. It would be stunning if you saw the Queen's Gambit and were like, holy shit, this is bad. And none of the people who have seen it are aware. Like my most reliable tastemakers, all of them were wrong. And right. this show sucks. Um, no, but I, I, uh, I know we joked about me uh, getting in on those jokes. And for the most part, I was just like, maybe I'll do this here and there. Uh, but I won't like put pedal to the metal. But then I've seen like people who listen. I've never been more convinced that that people are still listening to brunch because of the Queen's Gambit bit, because people have been making a ton of those jokes to me and for me. And so uh, now I do think that I'm going to put my foot down and go full speed on the, Hey, I'm still not watching the Queen's Gambit. Same. Yeah. I mean, I'm like workshopping a Queen's Gambit jokes for you. I'm like, Hey, look, I don't know if you uh, still care about this, but what, what if you made this joke about how you're not watching the Queen's Gambit? Like, I'm all in on you not watching the Queen's Gambit 
because it's I don't know. It just seems like a fun. It seems like a fun, annoying, oh yeah, dickish kind of bit. Right up your alley. Right. Usually, <laughs> you're on the outsides, like kind of uh, on the outside, kind of feeding yeah. me <laughs> stuff. You're like, hey, and, this will piss people off. And I do like that. Uh, that like I'm getting snitch tagged. Like y- people are snitch tagging you, being like, yo. Come correct your mans. Yeah. And you're like, doesn't sound like something I would do. Yeah. (laughs) Meanwhile, you're like, oh, leave me out of this. Meanwhile, you're in the background feeding me information and uh, AKA gifts and and memes. Tony X snitch tagged me in a tweet responding to your tweet, which was a meme that I made made for you. <laughs> Incredible! Like, hey, tweet this out. You tweet it out. Someone tags me and is like, "This is unacceptable." <laughs> You've got to hate this, right? Get a load what this guy did, right? Which I mean, there's no. Even if I didn't make that, like, I'm finding out about that. Like, I'm signing <laughs> off on it right. in some way, shape, or form. Complaining to you about like me making an annoying tweet. Yeah. It's a very where bold do you think strategy. you got that tweet from? <laughs> right. yeah. Why do you think I've been bleeding followers for the past six years? Your, your kid swears too much. Oh, that's a weird thing about my kid, huh? God. <laughs> uh, loaded episode, Conan O'Brien style. Got a great show. Or I, SNL, I guess, does that more. They say we got a great show for you tonight. I've always wanted to they host never S- do. <laughs> I've always wanted to host SNL and not say we've got a great show for you tonight. Because it, whether Lauren or somebody else, they must insist upon you saying that. You must. They, they're, they're probably like, yo, say these exact words. We got. I feel like I feel like that's a. I mean, you've done improv, but I feel like that's got to be an improv thing, right? Where it's probably. like, thanks for coming. We've got Lively. a great show for you. Right. <laughs> yeah. We're gonna do some exciting stuff. I, don't I think know. it's some like self. It's some. It's like some positive reinforcement. That's cool. Yeah. Throw. Some I mean, positive. it's a total guess from my end, but I would. I think that that might play into it. I mean, in general. I, SNL is it's all people who did improv probably right. at some point but so like it's got a very improv show kind of feel even though it's obviously sketch comedy but so much of that scene is positivity and like if you're in the audience at an improv show you're like rooting for what you're watching right like if, if there's something that's on the edge you're going to laugh because you know it'll make it better for the performer and then the performer is probably going to start feeling themselves and then maybe take a couple more risks suddenly you're watching a hilarious ass show so got a great show for you tonight for real though uh this was supposed to just be christmas chronicles 2 i didn't really want to do a christmas chronicles 2 episode didn't want to watch christmas chronicles 2 i don't know why i forgotten everything about christmas chronicles i went back uh, at the recommendation of a brunch listener i started to watch christmas chronicles 2 and was like I don't remember a thing of this and they should have been like a previously on and a brunch listener was like, yo, having the same experience. So I went back and listened to uh, your review of Christmas Chronicles two. So or Christmas Chronicles one. So I ended up doing that, listened to it, listened to our review of the first one before watching the second one. And it was super helpful. Got me really in the mood. We'll talk about Christmas Chronicles for like the meat of this. Uh, But in the meantime, we've also got the most insane Christmas movie ever, which is nuts because I just let you know (laughs) that we know Christmas Chronicles, that franchise exists. Thanksgiving, uh, 
saw that there was a movie called The Fat Man about a kid who hires a hitman to kill Santa. And it's Walton Goggins as the hitman and Mel Gibson as Santa. Fucking insanity. We've also got a teacher. Finally watched last week's episode. We're both caught up on this week's episode. And The Undoing ended. So we legitimately have four whopper things that kind of could be their own episode. Like last week's episode, if we needed to, we could have just done the whole damn thing on a teacher and yep. would have gotten a fine hour out of it. But we had other stuff to do. Now we got four crazy big ass things. Uh, dealer's choice. What do you want to start with? I mean, I think that we, uh, we're most excited to talk about Christmas Chronicles too. And you Indeed. just tease the fact that uh, you went back and listened to the old, uh, the old episode. And not only that, you went back and listened to the old episode and you picked out some of the highlights so that anybody listening to this right now wouldn't have to go back and listen to the old yeah. episode. You did them a huge favor and you put effort in, which is not something that we ever do. Right. It was, you know, like the great inventors, they end up inventing the things because they want them themselves. Mm-hmm. I was like, why isn't there a previously on the Christmas Chronicles? So when I was when I was listening to the Christmas Chronicles episode, I was like, you know what? I'll just I'll make a previously on the Christmas Chronicles out of our episode. Which did you? I sent it to you. Did you listen to it? I listened to it, and it is uh, very good and uh, great job. And it is very helpful because I didn't. I also realized I thought that I remembered the Christmas Chronicles. Turns out I only remembered bits and pieces of it. <laughs> that was a very funny episode. It was our, I had a our great episode. Time. Do, I listened. I was like, wow, that's crazy. That was just a year ago. We sound like happier, more energetic people. And then I was like, "Eh, Christmas Chronicles came out in like 2014 or something. That was like 10 years ago. (laughs) I think that it was two years ago. It was two years ago. Yeah. In all seriousness. But I I thought I was like, didn't Christmas Chronicles just come out? I thought that it was last year. But then like in the uh, in the movie, they say like two years ago, we were doing this. Yeah. And so I was like, okay, it must have come out two years ago. Time doesn't mean anything to me anymore. All right. I mean, we so we've been dancing, we've been nibbling, we've been doing small little kisses of the Christmas Chronicles. So should we just start with Christmas Chronicles too? Let's French, baby. Let's let's start with the bi- the big one. All right. Here's uh the here's your little recap. This is like a a, a ninety minute movie that took me like six hours to watch because I kept <laughs> pausing and writing down things. The brother and sister they're always fighting about something. They end up breaking into Santa's sleigh. And completely ruin Christmas, Christmas for the world. And there's like a lot of, how do we get everything back on track? Let's help Santa, blah, blah. And the whole time you're just like, well, you this guys just all, went away. If you didn't do any of this, <laughs> then none of this would have happened. Uh, Santa Claus is Kurt Russell, who has never seen any sort of depiction of Santa Claus ever and plays Santa Claus as confusingly <laughs> as any person could ever play Santa Claus. They will let you know every five minutes in this movie they that the father is this dead. Hard. This movie listens to brunch because it is hammering home the fact that people are dead. They kick off this movie by letting you know that the girl is like the lamest fucking 10 year old in the world. This girl has no friends, including Santa Claus. Yeah. <laughs> they do a thing that... Happens a lot in Christmas movies, which is don't put up any decorations. They save everything. Why do they save everything for like motherfucker? Have you heard of a term called shelf life? <laughs> she asks uh, her brother if she can hang out with him, 
And he says, no, I'm going out with my friends. So she follows him with the camera and uncovers that this brother, who's like kind of a little like, like a typical older brother, like, get out of my room, dweeb. Yeah, like, he's don't like, you know? Blah. He's, he's just like a little snobby. Harmless little snobby yeah. guy. Uh, she goes what? to see what, what's he up to? Just kidding. Stealing cars. He steals cars. <laughs> that is the thing that they use to say this kid's kind of a punk. They, there are so many things in between, like, uh, get out of my room and he's committing grand theft auto (laughs) it's like very much like a all right here we need an angsty teenager who's a bit of a jerk to his little sister what do we have him do murder right no that's too much okay he steals cars this is a very dark christmas oh yeah it uh there are a lot of moments there are a lot of like near death moments but not in the but they don't uh, present it in like a way where like hey we know we're being dark it's like hey we're a fun christmas movie look at this shit there are times when they're flying and they're not in the sleigh they fall out of the sleigh things are upside down people are on fire and then they have this like mom's gonna be so mad get back here you creep but they're talking about stealing (laughs) cars so uh the mom comes home while they're arguing because she's got the tape of uh him stealing cars she's so upset that they're yelling at each other and the mom says you know what i want for christmas for you two to not fight or something like that. And yeah. that's a huge Christmas movie move, which is to make everything about Christmas. I wish there was one time in a Christmas movie, uh, something's going on, people are arguing about something, and someone's like, hey, you know what I want for Christmas? And then anybody else was like, you just say Christmas? <laughs> Real weird twist to go from Lowell, Mass. Yeah, uh, to start off in Lowell, Mass, and then spend the rest of the movie in Chicago. They, uh, this movie is unwilling to not be around crime. No, <laughs> <laughs> this it is very important to this movie that all this holiday cheer takes place among near constant crime. <laughs> yes. We're not talking about everybody's Raymond here. We're well, we should be. Everybody, <laughs> I, I agree. And she puts her hand on it and says. I swear. And it was just like one of those moments that lets you know they're never going to stop telling you (laughs) that their father is dead. (laughs) Santa didn't have a gun, which for this movie was kind of surprising. Seriously. (laughs) Well, actually, two fantastic jailhouse scenes. One, an interrogation of Santa Mm -hmm. uh, in an interrogation room where Santa just like it completely taunts the cop for oh, yeah. losing his wife. So Santa is locked up. He's in jail. Uh, some other guys are in jail. And uh, he gets up, walks one the, over one to those Stephen guys. Van Zandt. Yes, yes. Speaking of Syl, walks over to Syl and says, Hey, you're in Bruce Springsteen's band. <laughs> and they have this like jailhouse rock scene where they put on this big performance there's still a, behind bars yeah. there's it doesn't like crazy, do anything no but you no know, but there's like they put on this performance there's like crazy lighting yep. it's like stage lighting they're playing their instruments that aren't plugged in yeah and it's <laughs> not like a quick like let's create a diversion so as we're doing this we can do something else it's just everybody in it yes everybody involved in this is focused on participating in the <laughs> yeah. music and playing the the, the girl falls into the bag because the girl cannot stop falling off and into shit yes. the entire movie falls off a reindeer falls off a sleigh falls into a bag and apparently she falls into the bag straight through to the north pole workshop yeah. don't know how that works 
Um, there's a lot of vortexes involved in this movie, and they were scary ass elves. Well, they, they were, were homicidal. Was yes. an important thing to bring up? <laughs> yes, they uh, they are fu- some really fucking dark, problematic elves. They almost cut off Teddy's dick. Oh, they try to take a chainsaw to his dick. Yes, again, like kind of problematic because they're beating up the elderly. They're uh, they're. they're Everybody. Uh, and they were like, okay, last but not least, let's cut off this kid's dick. <laughs> this is not like a mistaken, like, ooh, w- w- wait, w- that, that was really kind of close to his nuts. Yeah. W- did they do that on purpose? No, the they, guy said, they, here we go. They took yeah. the subtitles off, and he said in a person of normal like, voice, motherfucker, your dick is by mine. Kurt Russell, <laughs> time for that dick. <laughs> <laughs> they really didn't know in what direction they were going with, with these elves, because like five minutes later, one of the elves was flossing. I was really really worried that they were going to bring the fucking dad back to life. They were going to find some way to bring him back. Oh, if the they dead. did, it would have because been my it, favorite movie. Because it was not out of the question in, this, in no. the context of this movie. It would have been my favorite movie. That was that. That included, I texted you, probably my one of my favorite uh, Pete moments of brunch, which is so weird because if you like write it down and transcribe it, it just sounds like a normal conversation. But I remember laughing so hard when you did it and laughing extremely hard when I listened back to it, which was we were talking about how the child actors aren't good, and you were like and I was like, child actors are never good. They're kids. They stink at everything. And you were like they're good at, what about, what about Raymond? And I was like, yeah, well we're not we're talking about a stupid Christmas movie. We're not talking about Raymond here. And you said we should be. <laughs> I wish it, it, it would have been a better brunch episode if we just stopped talking about the Christmas Chronicles episode and we were like, alright, buck up then. Raymond time. I mean, I, uh, that brings up a, an idea. I mean, should we do an episode in the next couple of weeks in which we just watch? I'm sure there's a, a Christmas episode on each season of Raymond, probably, and we could just watch the whole bunch of them. We do want. We did want to lean in hard on Christmas movies and shit this year, which mm-hmm. isn't anything, but not like mainstream Christmas movies, right. like like the, the Hallmark Christmas, Christmas movies. movies. Yeah, exactly. And I'll tell you what, they churn those things out like crazy now. It dude, used to dude. be like, hey, there's a few a year now. That's a, it's up to a few now. There's like twenty. We're like, I, I was thinking, are we shooting our wad by doing Christmas Chronicles two and the Fat Man in this episode? And the answer is Absolutely definitely not, not because <laughs> no. there's going to be so we have to bang out a couple to just try to keep pace with these things. If you go uh, like on the Netflix page for Christmas movies, there are so many shitty Christmas movies on Netflix. And it is so funny because they all have the same poster and like the same font. It's oh, like yeah. that swirly oh, red yeah. font swirly with, with like, like a, a little bit of sparkles. Yeah, yes. Yeah. yeah. They all have the exact same poster. It is so funny. We should make a, uh, for the Christmas episodes, we should make a brunch uh, movie poster that's like a Christmas. Hell yeah. Maybe there's like a table or something where people sit at tables. No, uh, I think it's usually just like two people standing next to each other, like in the snow. Yeah, they with got that coats red, going? Yeah, coats, uh, like toques, uh, nice. beanies, whatever you want to call it. They got usually got those and they, they're, they're looking real happy and they got that swirly font and yeah. a lot of glitter. So much uh, glitter that they're they're finding it days later. That's right. This is a uh, silly thing, but when I was watching a teacher, I was like, wouldn't it be funny if there was like a Christmas episode of a teacher? <laughs> <laughs> if like dramas did Christmas episodes. You know what it would be about? It would be about uh, that kid's dad uh, being dead. I mean, that's pretty much what they do in Christmas movies. That's the joke. Yeah. <laughs> 
All right. So let's officially jump into Christmas Chronicles 2. We should uh, say right off the bat, uh, dad is still dead. And they let you know right out of the gate. <laughs> absolutely. Uh, I, I have copious notes on this that I tried to consolidate so it could be not completely messy. But I mean... The, be on brand for the, the Christmas Chronicles. The, the copious notes and kind of messy is what has yielded us like wine actually and Christmas Chronicles and stuff. So I consolidated this, these notes for part of it, but it's going to go off the rails because there are so many notes that there is no way I could actually tighten this up. So uh, this is not going to be smooth, but it's the Christmas Chronicles. It's not supposed to be. Before we jump in, um, some frequently asked questions that we should probably just knock out uh, just one question. Do they make up rules, put kids in danger and have a musical number that accomplishes absolutely nothing? Absolutely. That's a yes. Mm-hmm. So that's, on all fronts. That sews up the, uh, the frequently asked questions. Uh, I actually liked this movie. <laughs> and I, I remember being so sick of the idea of Christmas Chronicles after like an hour of the last one. But this one I watched in a lot of chunks. I watched this in probably five or six chunks okay. because to keep up with the madness, you, you how, like how many times do you have to hit pause when you were watching the movie? Um, a few, uh, but that was basically cause I got pretty sick of it like halfway through and I was texting and stuff and I would have to pause and rewind about 20 seconds. Mm-hmm. That happened a few times. I, I enjoyed this one significantly less than the first one. I think I might, mu- I might need to go listen to our episode again <laughs> like i i liked the first one because it was uh like surprisingly dark and oh, yeah. like totally not self-aware at least it didn't seem like it um like we mentioned in that in that little recap like it was a dark movie that would mix in like hey we're just having a but good i'll time. fucking kill him <laughs> <laughs> like we're just having a good time this is a good feel good christmas movie but also Right. Uh, the kid steals cars. Oh. And it was just uh, the first one just had more like more charm and more. It was more simplistic. I felt like it was just a, a couple yes, of I kids mean, fucked up Christmas. This one brings in like time travel. Like, this, you know I mean, how we talked about your, Happy Death classic, Day 2? Right. It's your classic sequel alternate universe. It's a classic uh, like overthinking it. Like we got to branch off and do weird scientific things. There's there's too much time travel and vortexes. I didn't remember vortexes being a part of uh, the, like the, the Christmas Chronicles 1, but apparently like in that review, there was a few vortexes that I had, that I'd forgotten about. But once you have but like, vortexes are back with a vengeance in in the sequel. But the first one in the in in the second one's defense, the first one had like if you jump into Santa's bag, it takes you to a different realm and shit. So they were, I mean, this franchise is never not all over the place, mm-hmm. constantly making up rules, doing all the weird, like any weird trick it can pull, it's going to. So when I see new tricks, I'm not like. Wait a second! I'm like, of fucking course, sure. this stupid franchise. I right. just, I think that this one just leaned a little bit too heavily on magic. Oh, a lot of magic, a lot of magic, a lot yeah. of uh, Santa touching his nose, which and not they, like Christmas magic either. It was more just like Santa's a fucking wizard, right? Right. Uh, so the gist of this one is a disgruntled elf 
wants to dethrone Santa because, among other things, Santa turned him into a human. Okay. There's, there's weird... That's, that's not the craziest premise for a movie I've ever heard. Like, I'm... I, I, I won't say I'm into it, but I'll check it out. So... Uh, no, yeah, it's fine, but it also is, like, sort of confusing. It's like, well, being turned into a human isn't, like, the worst thing in the world, I suppose. Except, as we'll get into, uh, this elf hates being a human because, in his own words, humans suck, which, insert whatever Father John Misty song you want. Uh, so, after creating the entire mess in the first Christmas Chronicles, young Kate is back for this adventure because she creates the entire mess in this movie as well. Everything that ever happens in this franchise is the fault of this little girl. Uh, So it opens with a threatening scene from this kid. That's like a kid with a New Zealand accent that I immediately, I don't know why I did this. I immediately checked whether or not that person had a new was actually from New Zealand. They are. I was like, this is, this could be a little problematic, but checks out New Zealand actor. Uh, So after a very threatening scene with this kid being like, Ooh, she's perfect for what I'm trying to do. uh, They show Kate and her family spending Christmas in Mexico. Why Mexico? They don't say for sure. Could be because a member of the family had to flee the country over some, Grand Theft Auto charges. Uh, <laughs> family is on vacation with the mom's new lover, played by Tyrese and his son, an eccentric asthmatic. Kate, I did laugh at at the fact that Tyrese's name is just Bob in this movie. Is that what they make his name? Just Bob? Yeah, his name is just Bob. <laughs> I was uh, the the his son hit a little too close to home for me. That was, that that kid was basically young with his neuroses. Me. Yeah, he was like you know, he reminded me of the kid from It. Right. So, I mean, that's again, way too close. That to me. That's you. exactly yeah. me. Yeah. Uh, Kate is upset about her mom's relationship, which presents the movie an opportunity to remind you that her dad died. Mm-hmm. The movie takes it. They, oh yeah. Every time, spent. every time, baby. So, look, we know you're sad that your dad's not here. Uh, so also they do, uh, they do provide a very early reminder that, uh, the kid used to steal cars because yeah. the, the, the sister goes, in like the first five minutes of the movie, she goes, uh, I, I liked it better when you were a car thief. Yes. <laughs> and I was there and saying, hey, me too, sis. That's what made me think I need a previously on. Because once they right. said that, I was like, oh, I remember one thing. That kid steals cars for some reason. And I needed more of it. Uh, so sitting on the beach for Christmas, Kate decides she would rather be in devotees of the franchise. will know the answer to this. Lowell, Massachusetts by herself for Christmas. So she calls the airline and books a flight, Kevin McAllister style. Her brother is off with a girl. The adults are off abandoning children. And yeah, that's a big part of this movie is that just like a big part of going on, going on vacation with the kids for Christmas involves abandoning the kids at the resort on Christmas for like an overnighter. Right. Wild. Kate is supposed to watch uh, DJ, but her plan is she's going to run off and fly home. <laughs> to Lowell. 
Christmas to spend and Christmas by herself. I do want to contest the fact that you think that she set this whole thing off, which like in a way she did. But our recommendation for her fixing everything in the first one was for her to just get the fuck out of the way. And she was trying to do ah, that in this true. movie. True. She was just trying to get out of the way and not fuck everything up. She just wanted to go home and be alone. And the kid from New Zealand had to fuck that up for her. Right. But I mean, she was, she was the, the mark though. She was like the, the target. Yeah, she, it's like, she wouldn't know that. It's like, right. It's like blaming season one of 24 on Kim Bauer for wanting to go out and party with some guys. Like she wasn't trying to set off any sort of chaotic chain reaction. She was like, some guys asked me to go hang out. I, I'm a young kid. I want to do that. So you don't totally, yeah, you don't, it, it would be victim blaming, but there should also be like blame blaming on Kate. Don't book a flight home to yeah. Lowell, Massachusetts and run away from your family. Who's going to, you're, you're ruining their Christmas at the very least. And at the yeah. very worst, potentially uh, orchestrating Santa Claus's death, because that's what she ends up doing by leaving when she gets to um, she's, she's waiting for the shuttle to the airport and the kid from the first scene who is like, ah, she's perfect. I can't do a New Zealand accent. Uh, rolls up in a golf cart and is like, hey, airport shuttle? And she's like, yeah. And he's like, uh, yeah, this is the airport shuttle. Just come in this golf cart. Never mind the fact that I'm a child. I'm going to be driving you to the airport. So she gets in. Uh, the, the DJ kid jumps in. Classic movie thing where like jumps in the back of the car. is following the girl. And the kid, the driver, has some sort of device he uses to make kids teleport and he uses it to throw them into the North Pole, which I remember... Portable wor- wormhole. Right. I remember you thought the first one had extreme uh, Babes in Toyland energy. Mm-hmm. This scene was very Babes in Toyland energy. It, was, it didn't have a Cincinnati song, but like, hey, we need to somehow get this to the North Pole so car weird crash. car ride. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Car crash that le- leads to wormhole and kids waking up in the middle of fucking nowhere. Right. Where have I seen that before? And they look like they are like Santa finds them dead. Basically like, dead. So close to being realistically dead. made up to be like to blue look dead. Yes. Right. They look extremely dead. Uh, and after after this happens, they show the uh, the kid who you don't know this kid's deal yet. Like I, we've said that he's a an an elf that turned into a human, but you don't know that at this point. You're just like, yo, this is a kid with a real chip on his shoulder, he's being a dick, and he's obsessed with Kate. Uh, after he throws those kids into the North Pole, he says, "The old man's time is coming to an end." And this movie makes up a lot of weird shit and does a lot of crazy shit and does like non-traditional Christmas movie devices. But boy, if it isn't such a common Christmas movie device for like the plot to be to kill Santa Claus. Yep. Or to like at least end his reign. Like who has ever looked at Christmas and Santa and been like, I want to take over that job where I have to del- oh. hand deliver, be a delivery man for every house on the goddamn planet. And Never got- have I ever once looked at Santa and been like, I'm envious of that guy. 
No, and you, you got you're gonna have Walton Goggins on your case. You're gonna have people ordering right. hits on you. It's a whole thing. Why would you ever want to do that? So Santa and Mrs. Claus, Goldie Hawn, find the kids nearly dead. Shortly after which, there's a confrontation with the elf kid. Uh, to this point, we've only just known him as like this dickish kid, but it's revealed that he's an elf named Belsnickel who was turned into a kid and banished because he was an asshole. They then tell the story of why he was an asshole and why he was banished. And the twist is this elf was awesome and was just like funny (laughs) and everybody was super uptight. He was, he had like whoopee cushions going. He was playing little jokes. All he was just trying to keep, he was just trolling. Yeah. He was, he was, he was an elf being a troll. Not a big deal at all. Uh, There was, they were making Coke bottles with Santa on the lit, the wrapper and he made himself on the label instead of Santa, which is exactly what we do with the Jeff shirts. Right. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> it, it was a very weak uh, plot point to like, this is what, this is the motivation of our villain. Right. So Santa super um, insecure, I guess. Like, it seemed like this was... Well, he didn't even really kick him out. The kid was just a big baby that, like, they were like, hey, cut back on the trolling, and he started crying, and he ran away. Really? I thought that... I thought that did he... He wasn't banished. Did, like, did, the, no, but they Santa, turned him into a kid, right? Uh, I think they turned him into a kid. I think that he may have turned into a kid, like... By leaving? Uh, by like not believing anymore or something. Oh yeah. They do a lot of, yeah, I I think that he may have lost like some of the Christmas spirit or the Christmas juju and Uh, that turned him back into, uh, or like he didn't love Santa anymore or something like that. And that turned him into a human. And then he was so ashamed that he started crying and ran away. Okay. That makes sense. Uh, in this fracas, this confrontation between the clauses and uh, Belsnickel, Dasher gets hurt. I forget how, but I do remember that there is this exchange between Belsnickel and Mrs. Claus. Hello, Mrs. Claus. Sorry for the inconvenience. Inconvenience? Dasher is fighting for her life. <laughs> yeah, the, uh, there was, you didn't even mention the fact that there was like this weird leopard, giant leopard animal. That Never it, understood it, that. It came out of constantly nowhere. Constantly roaming. There's like a constantly roaming. roaming. Like he's he's Santa's arch nemesis, but they like never explain why. Like when he when Santa stumbles upon the kids' dead bodies, their carcasses, he's hunting this leopard animal. Like two days before Christmas, I'm pretty sure that that guy's got more important things to do than go on like a joy ride to hunt some some leopard in the uh in like the North Pole. I don't know when you man when you're magic and you get to make up the rules and just change it. He 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 could be like, oh well, Christmas cheer only comes if Santa gets to spend uh, ten to twelve hours a day doing uh, leisure activities, and Santa likes to hunt. So the only way to creep Christmas cheer up is to get away from the old ball and chain for a goddamn minute and fucking hunt this uh, animal that I don't like. I don't want to get too ahead of ourselves here, but it was a real juxtaposition between this movie and Fat Man because, like, in Fat Man, Santa is the most stressed person in the world in the lead-up to Christmas. Like, the two days before Christmas are just his 
absolute hellscape, which would make a ton of sense because it's like the one day a year where he's actually expected to do something and he has to service the entire world. But in Christmas Chronicles 2, Santa just he's Trump on the golf course. He's ignoring all responsibilities. Perfect way of putting it. That's exactly what he is. And I did want to uh, discuss rank whatever, like your favorite Santas, the way people do with uh, with Batman. Like, who's the best Batman? Because there are so many people who have played Santa now. And honestly, Mel Gibson, like, probably Pretty good. favorite Santa. Pretty good Santa. Just so depressed, hates being Santa, hates the kids he's making the toys for. Like, he, he was the most, he really humanized Santa. <laughs> he was so he was, so that like, he was no the, one knows that he's Santa. He was the, the Santa that 2020 deserves. Exactly. Uh, Back to Chronicles 2. The grid goes down the North Pole. You notice that? Oh, yep, yep, hundred percent. And like, and the North Pole could not rely on the grid more. There was no uh, contingency plan in place for if the grid were to go down. Not only does the grid go down, um, there are there are killer elves. They uh, right. They they're. It, Elfsbane. Elfsbane makes they, them go crazy. They have Elfsbane, which they said that's like your classic making up a rule thing. Yeah. Like, the elves are suddenly turning on them and they're trying to like fight Santa and they're they're trying to fuck everything up. And it's because they had Elfsbane, which, which is basically poison. Um, but I had forgotten like this movie is way more uh, elf heavy, obviously, than the first one. Like the. The elves came in late in the first one, and it was pretty horrifying because they just absolutely came out of nowhere. And they were they were like killer elves in the first one. Yeah. They were huge on chainsaws. They almost cut off that kid's nuts. That's right. Uh, I'll tell you, still huge on chainsaws in yes. the second one. That's one so of, many chainsaw scenes. One of my notes, all caps, the elves have chainsaws again. So that means that they made the Christmas Chronicles, and they were like, all right, We've made we've done the pilot episode. We we can pick it apart. What works? What doesn't work? As we embark upon this franchise, got two columns. Probably got some uh, like uh, Velcro going on where they're like, okay, we're gonna put this in the works doesn't work column. Obviously, <laughs> elves with chainsaws has to become a staple of this because they have chainsaws again. And Mrs. Claus sends uh, DJ out to. Do Real cowards move. <laughs> oh, they, they, all they do is abandon kids in this movie. It is insane. Not even, a, not even, not even abandon kids. Like actively slash willingly in danger, in danger slash sacrifice the children. That's true. Yeah, I mean, DJ is more or less sacrificed. Like yeah. when she said they're they're in the their cottage or whatever, and someone someone. There's two of them. There's an adult, Mrs. Claus, and there's DJ. And DJ's like, I don't know, what is he, like eight? Something like that? At at most. And he has no training with these elves. Like, Mrs. Claus knows these elves and shit. She could at least, I don't know, try to talk some sense into them or whatever. She's like, hey, I got to stay in here. Oh, you know why? She does have to stay in there. Do you remember why? Is it uh, Vixen or the, the reindeer? She has to tend to... Dasher, who is, I don't know, 50 feet tall. It is the most giant uh, reindeer in the world. And 
they have all these scenes going. They, they, so the uh, DJ is out. He has to get the uh, the uh, antidote to the top of a mountain or something to get mm-hmm. all the elves to stop acting crazy. And Santa and Kate are at like an airport doing some shit because now time. Not travel. just any airport. Logan Boston's airport, Logan Airport, <laughs> which super dark. There's like a lot of singing and dancing and like happy, like whimsy happening in Logan Airport, but it's in a, it's a time travel scene. So mm-hmm. they're depicting just like a very loosey goosey pre pre nine eleven Logan Airport, mm-hmm. which, and could not be sending more mixed messages. By the way, because um, it, we as we know in Love Actually. Uh, apparently airports are the happiest time of year during Christmas season. But in this movie, they fly over Boston's Logan airport and Santa goes, uh, the airports are the least Christmas cheery, uh, the least Christmas joy, like in the world during Christmas time is at an airport. Because, because they're confusing. They're always yelling at each other in there. What do you mean you're moving my flight? A lot of like, just say, what do you mean you're moving my flight? They're, when they get into the airport, all people are doing is yelling, what do you mean you're moving my flight? Uh, this airport scene we're about to talk about really has fucking layers to it from a who's making this movie and what is their plan standpoint. You remember famously in the first one, they have a jailhouse rock scene where they accomplish nothing. They're in jail, trying to get out as soon as possible, and they just choose to play a song in jail without making any attempt at leaving or persuading anybody or whatever. They're just like, yo, we're very stressed. Gotta rock. There's a bunch of dudes who want to rock, and they play a song, and it accomplishes absolutely nothing. Yep, and and I... That one honestly felt like they were just doing it for the sake of doing it because they did it in the first one. And this one just didn't have the same magic. It was so This is how I watched this one. There's a woman in line at the airport. She's learning that her flight's been changed. And the uh, woman who works for the airport or the airline says, Hey, your flight's been changed. Your flight's been moved. Uh, All the flights have been canceled. And I'm watching it. And I say, is that Darlene Love? Who Darlene Love is singer of 1963 Phil Spector classic Christmas Baby Please Come Home. You definitely know the song. Um But I'm like, is that is that did they put Darlene Love in, in this movie? And then there's a little exchange between well, what do you mean you're moving my flight back? And everything's getting real heated, and I'm like, okay, that probably is Darlene Love and she's going to start singing, which is exactly what happens. She starts singing. Uh, I know who Darlene Love is. A fucking... A 32-year-old man who's into old shit. What target demo person of Christmas Chronicles 2 understands that? Probably nobody. And if you don't know... Hey, that's Starlene Love, singer of a Christmas classic. They're like, wait, you just introduced this character to me like one second ago. She's of no consequence. 
and now she's fucking duetting with Santa Claus. This is the most random shit in the world. Like when you just I mean said, they did that in the first one too with uh with Sil- Silvio. Yeah, but that was more Santa was there and he's like, "Look, I'm rocking and I don't care who's with <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Well, oh, yeah. a guy from the East Street Band is here. Let's rock." But this was this was that they had Darlene Love's character kind of facilitate it and it's just confusing and yeah. really a way of shoehorning. I mean, nobody loves to shoehorn in a uh, random musical number of no consequence like yeah. the Christmas Chronicles franchise. The, uh, the, the funny thing about it is, though, she starts to sing. She sings for like one second and then passes it off to Santa Claus. So they forced this like music legend into, the, into this movie. But at this point, at least you got a music legend in the movie. What better advantage to have her immediately fucking pass the rock to. And not only that, like she passes the rock to Santa and Santa's not great. Uh, He's fine. But then he busts out a sax. You got a Santa sax number and he puts on the sunglasses. He gets real into it and they give you only like three to five seconds of that. And then they just cut away. Makes no sense. You got darling love your and you're like, okay, it's singing time. You know what to do. Kurt Russell. Silly. <laughs> well, as we know from a teacher, sometimes guys just want to rock. That's true. That's true. Uh, so in the airport, while all this is happening, by the way, this, while this is happening, this is happening because uh, Kate has been abandoned by Santa Claus. He sets her up to steal some batteries using future money because it's set in the past. So if she gives a $20 bill from 2020 they're gonna be like what the fuck is this this is counterfeit money so she gets basically detained arrested whatever and meets a cute boy flirts with him a little bit gets to know him and did you recognize the boy no the the actor yes i recognized him but not from something i knew i'd seen him before yes he is uh he's sunny from mid 90s wow yes Mm -hmm. That's the lead from mid-90s. Sure is. Wow. That was one of my favorite movies of that year. He looks way older now. Wow. It's funny how time works. That's crazy. That's time it, travel. They move forward right? yeah. by like two years. <laughs> uh, it is wild. That, like, it, it, Obviously, I mean, this is not a shocking development, but like two years can make a world of difference for like somebody in that age range. Oh, right. Yeah. And that age, it's that's insane. Oh, that's, yeah. That's, that's a different between a that's different a difference person, between like four ten and five, six. Well, not for me. Yeah. Uh, turns out this kid is Kate's father, <laughs> which Who uh, fucking care. Like didn't need it. And he did, it definitely behind. didn't need it, but I do appreciate that they did it because in the last episode of the Christmas Chronicles, the review of the first one, I said I was half expecting them to bring the father back from right. the dead. And look at look at what they did this time. They did it. Hell yeah. <laughs> uh, so what what happens next? Fucking stupid. Um, they they leave the airport. I don't know. Uh, yeah, next- they do. They have a nice like little Mad Max Fury Road. Uh, battle in the air on the sleighs. Oh, they're yeah. like tricked out sleighs. They have yes. a, a full on sky battle. Yes. Uh, Santa and Bellsnickel are racing through the air with their sleighs. And uh, Bellsnickel has a razor stick out of his sleigh <laughs> and cut into the side of Santa's sleigh. If you're wondering if this is exactly the movie Grease, <laughs> indeed. 
It's the exact same fucking thing. Well, it, I don't know if you noticed, but in Boston's Logan Airport, there was a sign for Greece. It was just a very Ooh. prominent sign in the background. So really, yeah, like, like the country Greece, not the movie. Ah, uh, so they're flying through the air, da- they're dashing through the snow, but not really. They're dashing through the air, which is way more dangerous. And uh, Santa says to Kate, "There's the village square. When we get over the tree, you jump." <laughs> He then has, and she's like, she's like, really? Sure? <laughs> like maybe <laughs> she thinks about, it, she's like, are you sure? And then like a second later, she's like, well, yeah, that seems about right for this right, yeah. movie that I'm she's, in. <laughs> yeah. She's not like you, you fucking maniac. You all, boy, you didn't get me sent away to jail. So now you're going to fucking kill me. Uh, he then has a child skydive by herself. She has no parachute. He has one put on her magically after she's jumped. So she just fucking jumps out of essentially a, a plane. She, like she skydives with nothing. Free falls, yeah. And I can't tell if uh, Santa put that parachute on her at the last minute as like a cool little thing, or if he like legitimately forgot to do that <laughs> until like she was falling out of the sky I, to her death. I kind of like to imagine that he was like, "I've had a f- enough of this fucking girl," and he's <laughs> jump, just jump, <laughs> just a- make everybody's life so much easier, so that we don't need a third movie of this of this franchise. And then he feels bad while she's plummeting to the earth, and he decides to put a parachute on her. At one point uh, later in the movie, Mrs. Claus Goldie Hawn is like, "You just try to like get yourself." into dangerous situations like you just like putting people in danger santa claus and he's like yeah yeah i mean you guys been watching the movie more or less (laughs) um meanwhile there are a thousand elves uh, dj has to get past using one nerf gun that shoots single rounds he gets past them like no wonder belsnickel hated those guys hated that scene complete I, incompetence for sure a hundred percent i mean it wasn't even i don't even think it was a nerf gun i think it was like a nerf crossbow it was just like the the weakest possible nerf gun that you could ever have and he managed to get through and also like he used a giant lollipop to to clear clear them out of his way i mean like they're those things are at most 18 inches tall just kick them out of the way bud yeah, just run really hard. That's what she right. should, she should, have, should have said. Run really hard. Um, for some reason, Santa and Bell Snickles square up with their sleighs facing each other and decide to just charge into each other. It was a, it was a, a an a old Revolutionary War uh, tactic. It was like a duel. Line up on one side of the battlefield and just charge each other. Yeah, and everybody and on then, the ground is and, like, "What the fuck are they doing?" And then Mrs. Claus with the ultimate wild card move just throws like a grenade in between them. Yeah. She throws an explosive cookie. She in spent the, middle. the entire first, like 85% of the movie taking care of the one injured reindeer. And she threw a grenade at the rest of the yeah, flying reindeer dr- and they plummeted to earth. They all fall out of the sky. Like, yeah. what did you think was going on? There's a big explosion. They all fall out of the sky. Uh, and that that for some reason solves it everything like they get Apparently. to the they get to the ground they talk it out and uh kate says santa we did it again did what 
I this don't know. It was your fault. <laughs> Whatever and this was, this was your fault again. If you didn't leave the resort, Bell Snickle wouldn't have found his way in. Santa got out of something that you did. You didn't do it. And I think the biggest problem for me in this movie was that almost zero of this hinged around like we got to save Christmas. There was very little mention of we have to save Christmas. All this shit was just happening and there was very little mention of Christmas at all. Yeah. Was there any part of you like, hey, well, what, what happens if Bellsnickel takes over? Like again, like I wasn't totally out on Bell on Bellsnickel. Like he he didn't seem murderous or anything like that. He just it was kinda, like I, I'd like to hear this guy's like five year plan. Right? Maybe he was. Maybe he could do better. He was less violent than Santa Claus, I think. Less violent than the clauses. Yeah, I, I mean, I uh, from what we saw, yeah, he endangered children. Oh, I guess like he left him for dead in the middle of the the North Pole. So I would right. going to say endangers children less than Santa. But maybe not. But at least he only did it once. And Santa has clearly done it several times. So they they get out of it, I guess. They they parachute. The two kids parachute back to Mexico, meet up with uh, the kid, the, the, the car thief. And the parents come back and they're all celebrating like, hey, it's Christmas. We're all together. This is great. And uh, they stand there and they sing Oh Christmas Tree, which is the most unrealistic part of this movie yeah. <laughs> because no group of five people all know the words to that song. No. No group Absolutely of two not. people know the words to that song. No. Even like I, I was in like chorus and all these things like growing up and everything. I've never learned the words to Oh Christmas Tree. I know that at some point people say some shit about your branches. It's a very, very literal song. <laughs> It's like it's like uh, what's his face? It's uh, Andy Dwyer singing to the lamp and the uh, the ham sandwich. What did he say? He's like sandwich. Are you turkey or ham? That song. No they idea. just say like, oh Christmas tree. You uh, what are those branches? Those are basically the lyrics. <laughs> but but the the whole family, Tyrese, his son, car stealer kid, they all know the words. Yeah, I I. Uh... I didn't enjoy this movie. I'll tell you. It was, and like, I don't want to. I don't want to. Like, do a deep reading or like criticism of the Christmas Chronicles because it's the it's the Christmas Chronicles. There, I I don't really expect the movies to be good, but the plot of this one was just so weak yet so convoluted for no reason, like. All you had to do was make another movie where these kids do some like weird fucked up shit and sort of threaten Christmas and they have to go on an adventure to fix it. That didn't really seem like what happened here. It was a, a very weak like villain that was introduced and just a series of nonsense after that. And it, didn't win me over. So I was super excited to talk about this as I was watching the movie and like taking down these notes and like, oh, this is ridiculous. Thing. This is ri-. But like, as I say it all back, I'm like, oh, this isn't this. This isn't even particularly like funny bad. It's just like, what the no. fuck are they doing? And usually we're very good at finding the funny in what the fuck is some is somebody doing. 
but it was convoluted's a good word for it, man. Like they didn't yeah. need the they didn't need DJ against all the elves. Like no one is quite sure of like what was like what were the elves actually going to do? Like did I don't know? There, there's so many stupid questions, and if I want questions, I'll fucking watch the Undoing. You know. <laughs> yeah. So also uh, a resounding lack of Lamorne Morris in this edition of the Christmas Chronicles. Um, but I mean, if they had brought him back, that would have been an incredible uh, bit of writing that they had to do to to put a Chicago cop. Yeah. At the Probably same Logan Airport. Mexican, I guess. Yeah. Maybe there were cops in that scene. Sure. But I mean, this that was 30 years in the past. He wouldn't have been alive. Right. It could have been his have been like, cop. father. Something like that. Just a little more Morris with like uh, an older style haircut. Yeah. Yeah. Just like give him like a, he's wearing like a starter jacket or something. You're like, Mm -hmm. oh, this is the nineties. See? Uh, Yeah. Stupid fucking movie. Yeah. I wasn't, I wasn't out. I liked Bellsnickel though. Again, like I, I I ride with Bellsnickel. Even he wasn't that interesting. Like I was, I was down with the idea of him, but like, uh, it's just wasn't there wasn't any magic or charm there for me. He also ended up, I think, like living with Santa in Mrs. Claus after he like became their child. Which, right, it was like, fucking yo, weird. You upgraded real fast. Like you went from public enemy number one to like, the like most living in the person living in the, the penthouse suite. Yeah. So good. Yeah, for that him. was very strange. So that's that movie. Oh, boy. Uh, Wandu on doing next. Sure, uh, but we do have a uh, a real, real nice read here. Uh, if you've been living in this pandemic, as we all have, then you've probably figured out that toilet paper is becoming a valuable resource and a valuable thing to have and a hard thing to find. Uh, and our friends at HelloTushy.com are trying to help out with that. Not only do they have their own toilet paper, which I believe is organic or just made of, of like good products. Uh, I'm a big, uh, nice toilet paper guy. I don't like the one ply crap. N- no pun intended. Who I don't does? like the cheap. I don't like the cheap toilet papers. Uh, so not only do they provide uh, toilet papers and the good kind, good quality TP, they also provide bidets and these bidets are pretty sweet and they will help you use less toilet paper they will fit right on your standard size toilet and you can get them at hellotushy.com and if you listen to this podcast we're going to give you 10 percent off plus free shipping so go to hellotushy.com slash brunch to get bidets toilet paper all the clean products for your uh, for your old beehole at hellotushy.com slash brunch. That's 10% off and free shipping at hellotushy.com slash brunch. It's a good product. It's healthy for you, healthy for the environment. Get on that hellotushy.com life. Uh, the undoing. We last, last, we last left off. I've had one beer and I have felt like a zombie this entire podcast. Speak like I, I can't speak English. <laughs> this is legit, like n- not a teacher levels of like has one drink, uh, r- tells a, a functioning member of society about like their, 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 their horrible doings. But this, I'm like, has one drink. 
can't do a fucking podcast. Um, anyway, the undoing. We left off with me being like, hey, I've seen one episode. This Hugh Grant character, like him. He loves his wife. If there's one thing that I can tell about this guy, it's that his wife is the most important thing to him. Heavy wife guy talk with (laughs) Hugh Grant's character. I deserve some credit for really biting my tongue and being like, well, guess who hasn't played and watched this show? Yeah. Oh, my God. Uh, Spoilers, whatever. There's going to be spoilers for this, but it's concluded. I... Enjoyed the, the show. I watched leading up to the finale. I was like, this is good to very good. It's not the best, but I'm not demanding it be the best. Who fucking cares if it's not the best? There can only be one Queen's Gambit. This is a good show. I enjoy it. And a lot of whodunit type of feel to it. My big thing was I was heavily distracted by the accents. Haley Fitzgerald, the defense attorney, her British accent kept coming and cutting through and it was so fucking distracting. Obviously it was happening a bunch with Nicole Kidman because that always happens with Nicole Kidman, but like the Australian accent, right? But like the the performances I thought were really good. I thought Donald Sutherland was great. I thought that I'll fight somebody on this. I thought that Hugh Grant was great. Hugh Grant was great. I thought the kid was really good. Yeah, so I think a lot of people thought Hugh Grant was bad, like that he did a bad job, and I was like, no, I think that he's a bad, his his character character is a bad liar. Right. Yeah. What would you think? Yeah, I mean, I I enjoyed it for, like, I didn't have very many complaints about it at all. Um, Trash finale, though. I seem to like the finale more than the average person. Uh, I, I didn't I didn't hate it. Um, well, I'll say I didn't hate the destination. I did not particularly care for the way that they got there. Yeah. They, they, so, I mean, like, I wasn't mad about the finale. I was a little disappointed because I think that it, with a show like this, you have to have a really strong finish for it to leave a... A, a good taste in people's mouths, especially with like a miniseries where it, it has all been plotted out and it's a very short miniseries, only what? Six episodes. Six episodes. Yeah. So like you have one stinker or one clunker, it's going to bring down the average quite a bit, but if you have the finale be considered a stinker or a clunker, that is going to bring down the average even more. Right. So, Finales are hard. Like we know this specifically with dramas. It's hard to conclude things in a way that people are going to like the, the end result is what I was rooting for. I was rooting for. And like my official prediction was Jonathan did it. And the show was telling you this the whole time, but because there's mysterious music playing, we psych ourselves up. And I thought that, that was the best option to be like, no, it was clearly this guy who, I mean, everybody in the show thought it was him. Obviously he's on trial for it. Like it's very easy to think it was him, Uh, but they didn't reveal it in a cool way. They totally limped to it. 
They yeah, they did, and they limped to it in very unrealistic and unsatisfying. Oh, the most unrealistic. I mean, so David E. Kelly did the practice, which was a great uh, courtroom drama, and it kills me that the guy who made that made the twist of this miniseries, which like the twist in the finale is like what a miniseries can hinge on. In this case, it certainly did. The twist was the most ridiculous, unrealistic thing in the world. All we see throughout the, the, the reason why it was an enjoyable watch and kind of a creepy watch is because between the flashbacks and just what she's doing, Nicole Kidman could not be less reliable she mm-hmm. is your classic unreliable narrator. You don't know yeah. if the flashbacks she's seeing is things that she's doing or things she's envisioning, and you can't get a. She read. has blackout tendencies. Right. Like the, I would rank the going into the finale. I would say that the the most legitimate possibilities for who it could be was one Jonathan and two would have been Nicole Kidman's character because she just doesn't remember shit and right. she is like seems to be pretty unpredictable yes and she's certainly unpredictable with how she is with jonathan because she calls the cops on him says she fears for her life then she's like you know what i don't think he could have done this and it's a lot of back and forth so in the finale when the most expensive uh attorney who i i would Texas to Feidelberg like is does anybody at any point say she's a good attorney or is it just that she's expensive she's the best attorney that money can buy but like that what they say yeah and Uh, like every mention but every mention of her just seems to suggest that she's the most expensive that she's just really expensive like (laughs) when is she doing a good job I mean again I'm distracted I didn't hear a lot of her lines because I was like you're British Ah, oh, you're so British. Why just make your character British? God damn and it. She seemed to know a lot of rules about like what she was and wasn't allowed to say. So like credit her for that. But that was about the extent of what she was good at. Right. So she decides after. So that is so af- like not. Yeah. Okay. I'll, I'll let you finish. But after Nicole Kidman learns Grace is her name. After Grace learns <laughs> that Jonathan had the murder weapon. So in a, what? In a one night, two night span, she learns that Jonathan is a sociopath from the mother because she learns about the sister story. And then she learns that the murder weapon was on their property to be found by her son. So again, Two and two together. Jonathan so fucking did this. After learning about the murder weapon, and in fairness, uh, Haley didn't know about the sociopath thing, but she does know that Grace knows about the murder weapon. Grace says, put me on the stand. And Haley's like, now look, I just said two seconds ago, I like where the case is. We're in a good position here. Let's hopefully not fuck this up. And then Grace says, yo, put me on the stand. I got, I got, got a little something. Might be, might be pretty neat. Well, toss me on the stand. Let's get, well, I'll take that for a spin. And Haley's like, she says, 
I haven't been able to get a read on you this whole time. Right. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, it is, it is uh very, very unrealistic, especially because they outline for you like why this would never happen. They're like, this is, a, this is exactly why this is a bad idea. What but okay. Oh, like they, they literally like, say like, I don't trust we're you. not putting you up there because I don't trust you. And so like, we, we don't know where you're coming from and we, you we can't predict what you'll do. Yeah. Uh, would you have, did you need to, uh, know, did you need to hear Jonathan tell the kid that he did it? No. Uh, no. I mean, I think that like that would have been pretty self-explanatory by his actions at the end of the episode, <laughs> right. which is also exactly why I did not need the, the, the graphic death scene and like the play by play, especially because like in that situation, we are, we are sort of detached a little bit. Like we are watching from a bird's eye view. We are not in Jonathan's head until the last like 20 minutes of, of the series. So like, I don't need to see him reliving that scene I think that for the purpose of the viewer, it's much better if you still like remain a little bit pulled back Leave and just watching you're right. And just watch him sort of like unravel without seeing exactly what fucking happened. I do think that there would have been a little bit more of like a mystique and um, just some to the imagination about what might've happened that night. Yeah. I hated that absolutely hate it and especially because like we fucking we we saw the 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 hammer bashing bro well, yeah, like we, the, yeah the, we know our, someone did that to her right we know the Come end result on. yeah and that we've was seen the pictures we saw the, the the clip of her getting hit way too many times already i did not need the full thing also i mean i know that he's a sociopath so this isn't going to make sense like i just didn't believe when they were showing that i was like I, I I don't believe that a, that the conflict would get to this, but again, that's, I mean, that's murder also, happens. I think that also plays into why I didn't want to see it because, like, you there is like an element of I, I can't believe that he would be capable of that, right? When you have to think about it, and it, but like seeing it makes you sort of believe it. Ugh. So like I I it was just very unnecessary to me. Um. Let's talk about some other characters. Uh, obviously, Donald Sutherland was great. He gave his like Emmy-winning scene. That'll get him something because his thing about you don't know ugliness. That shit was great. But uh, the the uh, widower is that mm-hmm. what a uh, the a man widow is called? Could, could he? Is it still just like a widow? Let's bang it out. Let's. Widower, a man who has lost his spouse by death uh, and has not remarried. That's you don't know this guy's personal life. Pretty sure he hasn't remarried yet. But uh, I just very that seems like man. a that's, that seems like a hockey thing where it's like you, you made a nickname that's just longer than the actual name and you added er to it. And yeah, it like, doesn't seem necessary to be a widow. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he gave a good performance and, uh, he was, uh, one, one hot ass dude. Uh, they, I'll g- full credit on the Sylvia character. 
They did a great job with the red herring of the sad fuck, right? Of were you, were you suspecting her? Who's Sylvia? Is she the uh, the lawyer blonde? friend? Yeah, blonde. So yeah, I, he I says didn't, to I didn't get her. <laughs> so he says to Haley, um, he'd had one other affair, and it was when he was he was sad, and she she says that she calls her the the sad fuck. So the uh, an easy theory was Sylvia was the sad fuck because we only knew, knew so many characters on this show yeah. that if it was going to be someone we knew, it was probably going to be her. So people thought she could be the killer and that she was the sad fuck. And she was jealous of, um, the, uh, the, the woman he was having an affair with. I, I, I was paying attention to that. I was like, I was keeping an eye on her, but then once, once she, uh, once Nicole Kidman said, Hey, can we go for a walk? I need to talk to you. And then the two lawyers see each other in the bathroom. It's like, okay, yeah. she put her up to something. Yeah. And like, I do give the show a lot of credit for leaving so many options open going into the finale. And I, I think that that's like a credit to, to the show and, and how like they kept one person in plain view and all the signs pointed to it being him, which is, but they also left other options open and that's why at the end of the day, I do like that they went with the obvious option. I know that a lot of people are going to be upset or were upset that they did, there wasn't a massive curveball or massive twist in terms of like the who done it. Uh, but I'm totally cool with them just going with the like the easy oh, yeah, I, I like that choice. Move. I just didn't like the unrealistic way and the there's just like too much fat and unnecessary uh, like filler, I guess to get there. They got to it in such a weird way. Yeah. Also like not to be dark, but why didn't he jump? Yeah. I kind of hope like, that he had you jumped, had it, dude. Like, yeah. But also like I, I sort of get it from the character perspective where right. like his he's hubris. so narcissistic yes. that like once he saw her running across the bridge, he was like, she loves me. She wants me. I'll get her. I, I, yeah. I'll be like the hero by not jumping here. Uh, I do get that. And I kind of like that, but I, 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 there was part of me being like, fuck yeah, just jump. Yeah. That would be, that'd be very cool. Um, but it is what it is. I'm not, I'm not like upset about it. I think that it could have been better, but I also did still enjoy it. Yeah. I thought good to very good show. Uh, trash finale, whatever. Can't win them all. It's not worse than the night of, I'll tell you. Because right. the night of was like a bad four uh, to five episodes to get to a pretty shitty finale. That's a good question. Like overall, what's better? Because obviously the night of had way higher, higher highs, highs yeah. but the night of was, I mean, you could argue most of it was wasn't very good, mm-hmm. which like it was captivating. Thanks and it was it. a slog to get to the finale. Oh, yeah. Like, it, it's all, that's almost the worst possible case. Is they rope you in with an unbelievable premiere, and then you have to waste like nine hours slogging through shit to get to a finale that wasn't very satisfying. Yeah, I did go back and rewatch the night of finale um, once I was caught up uh, to the undoing, and it was a couple more days before I could get the finale. I was like, hmm. I'm going to watch the night of finale. It's unbelievable that they just at the end were like, oh, here's this other character. Maybe he did it. Yep, he did it. Okay, bye-bye. 
insane insane like at least at least for the undoing you can say that they got in got out and it was quick and most of it was enjoyable yeah uh let's hit uh a teacher because we're caught up there and uh there was never a fun part of this show but uh the fun is over (laughs) oh yeah it is uh very much not I don't want to say like it's not enjoyable anymore because that would suggest that it was ever enjoyable, but it's just all uh, very sad now. (laughs) Right. It is going to, it is absolutely going to shit. So I thought that that was a very bad, um, very bad episode. This, this past past one. one? Yeah. I I wasn't a fan either. I I liked some of the music in it. Uh, There were points at which I was like, they really don't get to use the LCD sound system song in this episode. There's just no opportunity. And I was like waiting. I was like, there's never going to be, maybe they'll have it like maybe uh, Logan in like the background of his house or something. They'll show him studying for a second. He happens to be listening to that song. Otherwise we're not getting the boom, boom. They did do a weird scene, like the scene where she goes to turn herself into the police. They did like a weird face porn scene. Oh yeah of her like long walk to the police station with some like i don't know what the, that music was but it was like some indie oh it was uh half light by uh rostam okay it was it was something that you would see in like an indie movie about like boy meets girl yeah and like girl is sad but this one was pedophile is about to turn right. herself into the police here's a nice uh here's a nice zoe deschanel face porn shot of her yeah i mean this the second most recent episode she goes to see her husband's band play very upset we didn't actually get to hear them play same man same uh and you you told me about this that she says they play wilco mm-hmm. her friend the co-worker is being very rude very disrespectful saying like oh god gotta listen to a bunch of old guys play weezer like she didn't fucking say weezer she, said she says that too. She's like, I, I didn't say Weezer. I said they play Wilco, not Weezer. Someone quote tweeted, uh, we're like dangerously getting into like the uh, a teacher meme game, which <laughs> yeah. probably. What do you mean getting close? We literally sent out a teacher meme like yeah. multiple this week. It was hilarious. Um, <laughs> but, uh, someone quote tweeted with like, uh, please. Like this fucking guy just wants to play Weezer all day. And I responded from the brunch account. I was like, they don't fucking play Weezer. Wilco. Big difference. The, the uh, brunch account is now a defender of, of uh, the husband's bands. <laughs> the brunch account is now what Seinfeld 2000 used to be when it would get like really <laughs> aggressively mad. So I'd be like, oh, this is just the same thing as Seinfeld today. Like, Fuck you on follow. <laughs> Fuck you on follow. We don't play Weezer. <laughs> I do love uh, I do love that in this episode of a teacher, the husband for fucking for some godforsaken oh, reason won't get mad. takes takes like 12 hours to process that his wife not only had an affair on him or with an affair on him and uh, had an affair, just had an yes. affair, uh, but not only had, had an, an affair, affair versus but had an affair with a child. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> had an affair with a child and then like 12 hours later he's like hey i think we can work through this i'm pretty i'm pretty mad but like 
this will be fine. And her response is, wow, fuck this guy. I got to run away. <laughs> so that's tough. And like, she is just the absolute worst person to this guy. I mean, not to get, I, I don't know anything about psychology or whatever, but I bet a lot of what she was doing was like, she was trying to rock He's that boat. Nice. She, right. She yeah. was like trying to be mean to him and like try to hurt him because she hated that he was this like, Oh, you're the best. I love you and my band. And, uh, <laughs> and she, I don't know. She probably wanted to hurt him, act out, whatever. Um, obviously did it in a, horrifying like she's not just she's not doing that just because she she's mad at her husband there's obviously an, a ton of issues there but i mean this scene when he walks in and she's like lying on the bed mm-hmm. i was like this is and i think this is where the show is gonna go like this is th- like a human obviously it's a human who's done unspeakable horrible things but like this is a human who's like I fucked up my life, you know? And yep. this guy's trying to fucking navigate it for her, but then you zoom out and you're like, not only that, but, but this is what she did. Right. Not only is not only that, it's like, this is what she is continuing to do. Oh my God. Right. That was, <laughs> uh, you, so like, you said it was a bad episode. Like, I don't know if it was necessarily a bad episode, but I hated watching it when she after the shit it's the fan everybody knows that uh this is happening eric's parents know his friends know he's getting all sorts of texts that say you're the man really uncomfortable uh she uh picks him up and they try to run away together and they have this like drunken you ruined your life for me sex in which she insists upon eye contact the whole time. And I've never hated anything more than that. I've never seen anything that I hated more than that. That was the most uncomfortable part of the episode and like, or the past few episodes. And I believe last episode ended up with like a blowjob scene in a classroom. Which Wait, was like, yeah, I didn't remember it. I accidentally watched last week's, uh, the beginning to last week's episode um, before I watched this week's. And like he was having a dream and he had a dream that she like blew him in a classroom. Oh. And you like, see her go down on her knees. I was like, oh, this is so uncomfortable. Oh. Um, yeah. So it, that was, the, that was more on. That that sex scene was somehow more uncomfortable than the dream scene. I mean, this show has some like Hall of Fame uncomfortable scenes. I th- I thought the most uncomfortable scene yet was the scene at the end of the second to last episode where she tells her coworker. Oh yeah, yeah. They, I mean, that most uncomfortable scene of the year. I by far. Hey, I you told me like. There's some uncomfortable stuff coming, but I was like, what can fucking be more uncomfortable than the shit that is already in this show? Uh, but yeah, the scene where she tells her coworker and she's like a little excited about it. Like, oh my fucking God. That, that's and where like, I, again, like, like drunkenly blurted out. She 
takes a while to think like, hey, is this a good idea? Should I do this? She takes a little while. She mulls it over. She leaves it in the oven. And then she's like, yeah, I'm going to do this. And then she's stunned that her teacher friend had who she, by the way, she's known for about like a couple months right. most at this point. And the only uh, thing she knows about her is that she seems like a good person. Yeah. And she's stunned that this lady is not down with, uh, with having sex with children. I mean, I was, I like stood up and like clapped for her friend because her friend right away like wasn't, she was Especially like, because her friend was down with the affair, right? She was like, she was like, hell yeah, I'm down for some excitement. I'm down for, for getting some. Uh, also, by the way, they had like a conversation about like, how's the dick? She said, how's the, she goes, how's, how's the, the D? D? Yeah. And they had a conversation about how good the D was right before she revealed that it was a child. Was All a of that made D. it so uncomfortable for me. I'll tell you, even before like they were talking about like the, the age the of the person, D. when she, when the, when the friend was like, how's the D? I was like, I'm so glad guys don't talk like this. <laughs> like, I, I know that I not not to stereotype. They, really like, do. they some, do. Some do. You choose not to identify, which is a smart decision on your part. So, yeah, I mean, I've been around dudes who do talk like that, but I'm like, they know this is embarrassing. Like, they, they, they're, they, can they hear themselves? They're embarrassing themselves right now. I don't know. That was, that was the most uncomfortable scene in the world. So we'll keep watching. What do you think happens next? Like how many uh, episodes are, are left? We're, we're six and, in. It, yeah. And like, I was, I was astounded by the lack of uh, the lack of uh, surveillance, I guess on the teachers. Yes. They're after like, they revealed that she was sleeping with a fucking student. Like, we know like, you're sleeping with a kid. Uh, have fun for the next few days while we figure this thing out. Uh, exactly. Like, in what world, I don't under, I don't know like the process of how this works, but like I would imagine it, like it's not possible for the teacher and the kid to almost run away. Who's allowing both of those people to just wander free? Yeah. And disappear for like 12 hours. I don't know the answer to this, but how do you think this affects uh Eric academically? Obviously it's going to the whole thing which we've known the whole way is probably going to affect him psychologically in every worst way. But how do you, like, do you think that he, I don't know, gets in trouble would be the wrong way of putting it, but I don't know. No, I don't think that that, like at any point you can punish the, the the student, essentially the victim. Yeah. Yeah. He's essentially the victim. I don't think that that happens. I would say maybe like his academic performance suffers because it, didn't necessarily seem like he was all that good at school to begin with. And then you throw in the fact that like, I think, you know, he was a good student. He was in uh bad SATs. They right, right. Not a good test taker, but he was in AP English. Yeah, but he, yeah, but he, he couldn't even get into to UT. <laughs> even get into, couldn't even get into UT. UT is a good school. I think, right. That's gotta be like state school, but it's like the biggest state school or one of them. I bet that's super hard to get into. I bet UT is one of those, like, I don't know. I used to know about colleges and which ones were hard to get into, but like, I always imagine like Ohio state is probably impossible to get into. Cause everybody who's in Ohio, like the only thing that they have to live for is trying to go to Ohio state. And like, I bet like kids around the country are like, yo, I love football. I want to go to Ohio state. Right. So I bet, I bet, I mean, 
Yeah. If I were doing it all over again, shoot. I'd want to go to UT. Imagine Whatever. college in Austin. Eric's a fucking loser. He couldn't even get into UT. Maybe. We'll see. That's, I think that's, that's going to be the focus going forward. How does... Is, how is the band doing? And will Eric get into UT? <laughs> go horns. Hook him, baby. Uh, you considered making a meme off of uh, the still of the <laughs> husband in the music room. Like, I don't know if we should say this. It's it's not making. Uh, maybe it is making. It's. I think we should do. Uh, we should do a meme, and one of them is a screenshot of uh, him being so goofily ecstatic. Right, because that, that, that's the, that still is very. Funny. It's very funny. Um, it, it, that the left picture should be that, and it's like when when you when you about to play Wilco and then like the next one is him crying after she tells him that she's having an affair with a student and it's when they think you're about they, to play Weezer yeah. <laughs> yeah. when you tell them you play Wilco when they say no thanks I don't like Weezer <laughs> uh, uh, just a classic brunch deep cut just good uh, just a real not absurd thing to make memes about. <laughs> um, okay. This is, uh, I would, I wish this weren't a remote episode. If this were IRL, we would be flying, but we have so much material just like pouring through all this material, doing it remotely. It sucks. A, uh, D to quote the friend, but we got one last thing and it's the fat man, which again, craziest thing I've ever heard of this movie. A kid gets coal from Santa. So he orders a hit on Santa Claus. I, and it's, it's all very set in like the snow and cold and everything. It has extreme pursuit with a, with a exactly Santa. Santa. Wait, did you, did you get any cold pursuit? feels yeah definitely yes okay right it's dark comedy really dark there's so much blood in this movie so many people die i honestly think i would recommend it yeah i would too i enjoyed it i mean it was extremely bizarre and like the there are some pretty drastic tonal shifts Mm -hmm. where it is like so gritty in all the santa scenes and then like all, all these scenes outside of Mel Gibson ha- are sort of like thick in comedy. Right. Or at least satire. So the kid is, um, he's one of the kids from Good Boys, that movie. Is he? I think so. Probably. Who cares? Um, he's an asshole, <laughs> lives with his grandmother. Uh, he frequently uses the services of Walton Goggins, who's a hitman. And he has him like potentially kill his classmates. He scares the shit out of one of them. They need to do like yeah. a, the, the classic also, like car battery. You touch the things together. And, but he also has like Walton Goggins on speed dial. So yeah. that makes you wonder like Walton Goggins didn't object to uh, kidnapping this 12 year old girl. Right. And like, who is this 12 year old boy? interacting with enough that he wants to kill them. It's probably his fellow classmates. I, um, I did get, I did have 
one big laugh out loud moment. This kid calls in frequently to check on uh, the progress of these hits he's taken out. First, he hires Goggins to scare one of his classmates into saying she cheated on a project so this kid can get the gold medal or whatever, some stupid academic thing. Uh, And then he orders the hit on Santa once he gets the call. So he's frequently calling in and checking in on the progress of like, hey, have you found him? What are you doing? And uh, one of the times, uh, halfway through the movie, Goggins in the middle of doing something, his phone rings and they show the phone and it says on a caller ID, little shit. And I laughed out loud because that kid fucking sucks. And even Walton Goggins, this horrible guy who's taking this kid's money, is like, this fucking kid is the worst. Yeah, he's probably like his most, he's probably his, his, uh, his biggest cash cow. Right. It would but seem least, like. But least favorite right. uh, colleague. Uh, and a, a good part of, of that scene that you were talking about is that he sees that it's little shit calling and he throws the phone in the trunk and shuts the trunk. He's <laughs> yes. like, fuck this kid. Uh, so this is, Santa is played by Mel Gibson. And he plays like a very human. You just said gritty about something else. I think that's a good word for this. Like this is one of the grittier Santas you're going to, uh, you're going to see he's depressed, hates where the world is, hates how people feel about Christmas, but not in a, we got to get Christmas cheer up way. He doesn't give a fuck about Christmas cheer. He just wants shit to go back to the way it used to be. I mean, he's just like a real like boomer Santa. Yeah. hundred percent. But I, but I don't think not like a, like a MAGA Santa. No, he's just like, these goddamn TikTok kids. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> That's just the vibe that I get. So Santa, Santa's operation is essentially a business in this movie. Like they have like books. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, they, everything they is above and board. Like government subsidies and things yeah. like that. Yeah. His wife seems to do everything. 95 to 100% of the work. His wife does everything everything and is a saint because i like santa is santa's depressed and obviously it's that's a that's a difficult thing to live with live around and everything but like she is truly the one pure good person in this movie you know she has i I don't know if she might actually be like the the person from james bond that you know like the where like it all runs through that the woman in james bond judy oh, dench yeah. plays yep, her yep. for a good portion of it uh, she feels like the that woman for the santa claus operation right clearly the brains uh so because everyone sucks these days santa's operation isn't doing so hot so the the government did i hopefully i wrote this down because i do not understand what it, the government the military hires Santa Claus to use all of his elves. Elves, like they use his like workshop and his shit. elves and his pro- productivity to build um, something for fighter jets. Like they're building like a keypad for a fighter jet, and they're contracting Santa because his workshop is so efficient mm. that they can get it done uh, pretty gotcha. quickly in, in large numbers. So they contract Santa out and, and give him some money to allow him to stay afloat. His business to stay afloat. That's where I was like, this is like how high were people when they came up with this movie? 
I mean, the, just the concept and the, like the elevator pitch of this movie is incredible, right? Yeah, but it, like, I, it, kid I, like, hires kid gets Cole, yeah. hires a hit on Santa. So that's the that's the thing that like the tonal shifts that I'm talking about. The the Santa side of it is so like so realistic where they're like we have to make this make sense in uh in like everyday terms and like business lingo and like we have to make this seem like a real thing it's not the north pole like magic how this all this happens and then on like the other side the kid is just like the biggest cartoon character yes. of all time and, and so is walton goggins essentially I was say so it's it the 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 juxtaposition there is really weird where they're insistent on making Santa the most surrealistic part of this while everything else is fantastical. That's yeah, that's such a good point. Yeah, like the the one thing that doesn't actually exist earmuffs younger listeners is the most relatable normal thing. I mean, Goggins is a fucking cartoon one of my notes just in general though off of it why do hitmen always wear black turtlenecks yeah always always, always. uh so he's constantly rocking a black turtleneck uh he's very for him, funny though. yeah he look he looks good in this, this movie. is a by the way this is a goggins movie totally but above all else it's it's a walton goggins movie right perfectly dark uh he when he's trying to track down santa that's really where like the movie is at its most absurd He's trying to track down Santa and he's like got all like like the newspaper clippings or typical stuff. He's got like pictures of him, but he's also legitimately watching Santa cartoons. <laughs> Did you notice that? Yes. He's like studying Santa cartoons as like research methods to find out where Santa is. Right. Uh and as he and he has like he has the board with uh with like the pins and yeah, the yeah. and like the, the yarn. yarn. <laughs> Uh, as he's, he uses the mail system to try to find Santa and he kills so many people. I knew you were going to bring this up that like, because you hate like random killings that they don't spend any time on. They're like like killing on the way to the killing. I hate those so much. There were a lot of them. There's so many. He, he finds a mailman, pulls a gun on him and he's like, Hey, no, he doesn't pull a gun. He doesn't. He, he's like, hey. He's just the nicest mailman of all time. Yeah, he's like, hey, uh, where are the letters to Santa go? And the guy's like, oh, there's a bin at the uh, post office. He goes, okay, thanks. Have a good day. And the mailman turns around and he pulls out a gun, <laughs> points it at him, and they cut to the next scene. And you're like, he fucking killed that guy? Then he goes to the post office, pulls a gun on the guy at the post office, and is like, hey, where's the Santa bin? And the guy's like... Are you serious? And he's like, where's the Santa bin? Shows him the Santa bin and everything. Gives him the stuff he needs. And the guy's like, uh, what happens now? And Goggins is like, now it's all done. And then he kills him. Yep. Oh, he's a, I mean, for a hitman, he's, he's a clean hitman. He leaves no, definitely, no trace. Definitely. Leave no he, trace. Um, Goggins sees a child at the gas station when he's, he learns that uh, Santa lives in Alaska. So he's driving to Alaska, finds a- not Alaska, Canada. I-, I thought he's. Oh, did he go? F- did he go from like he L.A. To-, to Canada to Alaska or something? He I th- he says I have to cross two state lines or two uh, two borders. So I assumed oh, maybe that it was. was. I don't yeah. know. It was. I mean, he's definitely driving the, through Canada. The northern peak instead of the right. North Pole. 
Right. He's, he's definitely driving through Canada throughout the movie, but he uh, <laughs> sees a child at the gas station playing with a toy that he got from Santa. Uh, Goggins gives him $150 for it after initially offering $100 to like a kid who probably can't speak. So yeah. like, we're just like weird kind of dark stuff. That's kind of funny. Um, uh, then when he gets to, he finds where Santa is at this like military base and he kills. So he kills so many soldiers. He kills like an entire military operation, which is what was like, like 150 people. Yeah. And it's, it's preposterous because they are so ready for like some shit to go down. They are fully kitted at Santa's workshop. And this one guy who we've only seen, he, we know he's a professional hitman, but we've only seen him kill like one, like one person at a time, like right. unsuspecting citizens. And he takes down an entire military operation. It's crazy. Um, eventually there's a standoff with him and Santa. Uh, he shoots Santa in the head and then gets killed by Mrs. Claus and Santa ends up recovering. There's some real um, Kingsman two stuff to this movie where guy gets shot in the head and they're like, yeah, but whatever. It was just the head. Uh, he recovers and looks really scary, loses an eye. So he's wearing like an eye patch and everything. Very scary. Right. Does that happen? Am I making that up? I was, I was afraid I was conflating it with actual Kingsman two, which is what happens with, uh, Colin Firth's character. Um, but, uh, yeah, then the, the movie just ends with Santa and Mrs. Claus go to visit the kid and they threaten to kill him. And honestly, like based on the movie, I wasn't ruling out them going and Santa killing the kid to end the movie. It was them. That movie was so dark and crazy that if they had killed the kid, I don't think the viewer would have been like, Hey, well, again, like the kid was such a cartoon character villain that he absolutely would have deserved the death there. Yeah. So, like, I don't think anybody would have like fully protested that. My my biggest takeaway was that the kid in this movie was totally unnecessary because Walton Goggins had his own built-in storyline as to why he hated Santa. Yeah, he didn't like Santa. He hated Santa and he had like a grudge against Santa. And that's why he was so willing to take the kid's contract against Santa. But like you could, it, they easily could have gotten like Walton Goggins is a hitman who was like ticked off, like something about Christmas. And he just decided to kill Santa himself. Yeah. But I mean, I think it's just all about the elevator pitch though. If it was just like, I mean, I would have watched it no matter what, but if it was, if it said, uh, an adult seeks revenge on Santa Claus, that's it loses. Like, we're like we're going to busy- watch that, but yeah. a kid it, hires a hitman yeah. to kill Santa Claus. That's true. Oh my that's God. Fair. That was like, I watched it immediately, sent it to you immediately. Like we took care of that within minutes. That's, that's honestly fair. And like that, there could have been like some reverse operation there where it was, my idea of like what this could have been. And they were like, we need another element of absurdity for this movie, for it to like, to, to be fully on the absurd scale. And so they added in the kid. Right. I mean, crazy movie. I would recommend it. It was super fucking weird. Uh, 
but it was. I would recommend it in the same way that I recommended Cold Pursuit. I mean, I I I stand Cold Pursuit. <laughs> I love Cold Pursuit. I think that's a great movie. Uh, that reminds me, there was a tweet the other day that was like, "What's a what's the what movie did you see the most times in theaters?" And it was just your stupid prompt Twitter thing, but I laughed at it because we legitimately sent that from the brunch account to mock how stupid uh, those prompts are. I did a tweet from the brunch account that was, what's the movie you've seen most in theaters? I'll start cold pursuit or something like that. And I don't know. I pr- prompt Twitter is really wearing me down. Who cares? Prompt Twitter is Twitter. Now Twitter is just prompt. Twitter. That's, That's all, all it is. Oh, it's the worst. Um, fuck. Uh, speaking of cold pursuit, not to make this podcast go any longer uh, but i've been uh watching shameless mm-hmm. that has uh emmy rossum she's uh i think I don't, I don't know if i know who emmy rossum is is emmy i think emmy rossum is the uh, girl from cold pursuit let's see there was a girl in cold pursuit oh yeah she kicks him in the ball in the the balls grabs his balls punches him in the balls oh i know her remember there, there's a scene where he, tr- he tries to take a swing at her and she does something to Oh no, she's uh Oh yeah, I know. No, she's yeah, is yeah. she the cop in Cold Pursuit? I think so. Yeah, that's it. She's the cop in Cold Pursuit. Uh Right, right, right. I must have just seen that on her IMDb page because there's no way I would have been able to actually uh recognize that. But yeah, Shameless is good, very depressing. It's just like I don't know why I'm watching it, but I'm like, why not start a 10 season show when I did the same thing. I started cheers. Yeah. I I was cheers. Very enjoyable. Quite funny. At some point. Uh, Are you tired after this episode? I'm not trying to like talk shit about this episode, but it was just like this. We fucking this number one. We we, put in work this episode. We don't have. We don't usually have this much content. We don't usually record this late. Mm -hmm. We started a a late episode, and you had one beer, so you have been due for bed for about (laughs) three hours at this point. 